Welcome to 13, the bi-weekly podcast where Colgate community members answer 13 questions about their work. I'm your host, Dan DeVries, and today on the show, I want to welcome Assistant Dean and Director of International Student Services, Kira Hunter. Hunter has been with Colgate since 2012 when she became an Assistant Director of Residential Life. And since then, Dean Hunter has held the roles of Director of Residential Programs and liaison to the Alana Cultural Center. In her current position, which Hunter has held since 2017, she works to oversee and support the university's international student population, assisting with everything from international orientation and educational programming to assisting with federal immigration policy, visa applications, and acting as the university's designated officer for the Federal Student and Visitor Exchange Program. Hunter also acts as the direct dean for all 278 international students on campus and another 41 recent graduates, uh, and she does that in partnership with Makiko Fuller in her office. In addition to all of her work with international students, Hunter is also co-chair of Colgate's Staff Affirmative Action Oversight Committee. She is a member of the University Conduct Board, the Prohibited Conduct Response Group, the Alana Affairs Committee, and the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. Hunter earned her Bachelor's of Science from Rutgers University and her Master's of Education in Post-Secondary Education from Salisbury University in Maryland. Dean Hunter, welcome to 13. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm very excited to chat with you. And I know right now, as a lot of students are um, making their decision about where to go to college, this is a great time, I think, to, to talk about the international student support at Colgate. And also just a little bit about, you know, the history of international students here. So I wanted to kick things off a little bit with um, kind of an overview of Colgate's international student program. And I know the first documented international student at Colgate was from then, um, it was known as Burma in 1868. And uh, wondering where our international students come from these days. Oh, wow. That's a great question. Uh, so right now, I can tell you a little bit about our top five countries. We have overall international students from 44 different countries. But our top five country of origin of our international students right now are China, Canada, India, Vietnam, and South Korea. So we have international students from just about every corner of, of the world right now. Um, and all these students come together to form a part of our community and a part of our Colgate family. How do students in other countries tend to find out about Colgate? So when you talk to these students, do you ask them like where they heard about us? Is it that they're doing online research or do we reach out to them? Like how do they find out about, you know, Colgate in the middle of uh, central New York? A little bit of everything. So in some cases, it's it's the online research. Um, I will give my kudos to the Office of Admissions, who I know has staff traveling and touring various countries as well um, to to talk about Colgate and sell Colgate to, to our potential or prospective students. Um, we have folks who hear about Colgate from their friends who attended Colgate. Or if they're not necessarily friends who attend Colgate, somebody from their high school attended Colgate a couple of years ago and had a great experience. Um, and so the, the news travels all over the world. And so the students then become interested in coming to Colgate. Um, we get students who've heard from Colgate alums or their parents are, it's just so many ways I could keep going. Uh, but those are, I think, some of the main ways that students have shared with me 
um, about them learning about Colgate University. I think recently too, you know, when we talk about how Colgate has been managing itself throughout this pandemic, and there's a lot, as you know, a lot of, of media attention on Colgate, other folks have said, oh, I heard about Colgate <laughs> through this news story, or I heard about, about Colgate because, uh, you know, I saw a pamphlet somewhere. So different ways, you know, students have been able to, to find us and, and get here. Is there a single draw or what, what do you think compels our international students to choose Colgate? I guess what, um, you know, is it something that when you when you talk with our international student population, do they say they pick Colgate over another school because of X, Y, Z, or is it different all around? It's a range, but I can think of a few popular ones. So, you know, it's definitely the family atmosphere of the Office of International Student Services. Uh, so, you know, many schools with with an international student population or size or larger, don't really have a chance to do this one-on-one -on -one interaction with students. Um, something else that's important for international students is our administrative dean structure. Colgate is one of those schools that in addition to assigning students a faculty advisor, you are assigned an administrative dean. And so, you know, as students realize that there's a need for support outside of just the classroom, we have a structure in place with an assigned advisor for international students that one can relate to the experience Two, you know, has a knowledge about how the different choices they make throughout their Colgate career affects their immigration standing. And three, just provides overall and general support. So our office is a small space. You mentioned Mikiko Filler, I'm the assistant director. We have an administrative assistant, Jen Jones, and a current um, program coordinator, uh, who also whose name is also Kira, actually. Um, and so, you know, we're such a, a close-knit community. Uh, that word travels, you know, when a Colgate graduate leaves and goes back to, I'm going to use South Korea, for example, you know, as, as, as they talk about their Colgate experience and they mention how at home they felt within our office and how at home they felt at Colgate, that encourages folks to be like, hmm, maybe Colgate is the place for me. At least I know for a fact I'll get the support. Colgate is committed to, to you know, having and retaining international students. Colgate has the resources to guide them through the four years and our fantastic alumni network will help them beyond Colgate as well. On a whole, it, you know, it seems like it's always beneficial to have a really robust international program. I'm curious what you see um, students not only bring to the community from other countries, but what students here take away um, from, you know, meeting and, and befriending people from other places? That's such a tough question. Um, I would say, you know, part of the experience that international students get here is, you know, that overall experience of American culture, of central New York culture. I think a lot of folks, too, who are international students don't get the opportunity of touring campus before they get here, they show up. And this is it. This is home for the next four years. Uh, so familiarity with U.S. and Central New York culture in a very intimate way after being here for four years, um, I think, too, or or structures around, you know, seeking employment, interviewing, resume tends to differ than than it from other places or tends to differ from other places. Um, and so, you know, with our career services. Uh, our career center students can can learn to become familiar with a lot of these these things that are our standard practice in, in many spaces within the culture um, that will help to benefit them benefit them.
beyond just Colgate. Hmm. So familiarity with the culture, support to navigate the cultural space on campus and the U.S. system in general. In terms of the, the, the wider campus community and what, you know, they get to benefit or how they benefit from um, Colgate students in general who are, who are international students, it's just an exposure to things that are different. It's, it's an exposure to things that are exciting. It's, you know, I think overall, all our experiences, whether, whether we're domestic or international, comes together to form the community. And in various ways, we help to educate each other in both directions. So, you know, our international students are learning more about the culture of, you know, somebody who is from Southern California, while you get the opportunity to learn a little bit about the culture of somebody who's from Kingston, Jamaica. And that really helps to enhance us as individuals and open our minds and our experiences to, to all the wonderful things that the rest of the world has to offer. So the process of getting ready to go to college always involves a ton of paperwork and planning, uh, but the pathway to Hamilton, New York is even more involved for students traveling from other countries. And I don't think a lot of people realize the arduous steps that these students have to go through in order to study in the U.S. So I was wondering if you could kind of walk us through a typical student um, pathway to, to Colgate. <laughs> So if you're talking about paperwork, I am going to try my best to answer this question. And even as a professional, there's so much involved that I probably will miss a couple of steps. Right. right. Well, we're going to call we'll call this a, a brief rundown or a, <laughs> okay. a summary, a summary, not in, all inclusive. All right. Let, let, let's try that. Uh, so congratulations, you've been accepted to Colgate University. Um, at that point, you know, the, the admissions office generates a list of names for us, uh, the Office of International Student Services, and we send a second congratulation letter. Congratulations! <laughs> Welcome to the international student community and the Colgate community at large. From that point, we provide students with instru instructions on how to apply for the I-20 application, and I'm going to throw, you know, just, just throwing it out there. So students have to fill out an application um, or, or complete information that they then provide back to OISS. Um, the, the information includes bank statements. So international students, you know, after they get accepted, they have to gather all their, their finances or their family finances together to show that they are able to afford the tuition of whatever university they're planning on attending, in this case, Colgate. So they gather that information. They have to have a valid uh, visa, not visa, sorry. Uh, they gather all that information. They have to have a valid passport. They submit all that to the Office of International Student Services. Then we go into the Student and Exchange Visitor Information System, CVIS, uh, and generate the Form I-20. And that is, in itself is a sort of... Uh, so it's a document, I don't want to call it an invitation, but it's a document that shows that this person is has been accepted to the university, has fulfilled at least the first step of the requirements in order for us to say, yep, I think they're going to come here. More than likely, they'll be your student, you know, in September. Uh, the student then has to go in and pay a fee to the, to the United States government um, and set up a visa appointment in their home country consulate or embassy uh, to try to get that F1 student visa. So one of the things that you know I, I mentioned when I speak about international students a lot is 
international students are students who are on an F1 student visa. So that's a different category than other visa categories. So when I speak of our 278 international students from 44 countries, um, those are students on F1 visa. So they go to the, the embassy or the consulate. Um, they provide whatever information, you know, that consular office asks for. Um, again, so proof that they are indeed coming to the U.S. to study and to commit to their academics for the four years or, or the period um, established by the university. Uh, they'll get asked some questions on the spot. Um, the officer will make sure all their information matches up, make sure that everything is 100% truthful, that they have the finances, that they have the I-20 from the school. And then at that point, they more than likely than not um, will issue an F-1 visa. So that's just the beginning. Um, as step from one. that point, right, step one. <laughs> so from that point, we usually tell students, okay, congratulations again. You have your visa. We are looking forward to seeing you in in August or September, you know, whenever there's orientation. In the meantime, please take the time to enjoy home, to enjoy family, to enjoy your high school, to enjoy it all before you move to this new place. Hmm. And then, of course, they have to secure a flight, book a flight uh, to get to Syracuse Airport. We sell our international students, not JFK, because that's far away. <laughs> um, so they book their flight and they get to Syracuse Airport. Um, usually a week before the larger class orientation, um, they get here for international student orientation. Um, one last step, and I, and I tell people, I, tell, I remind my students of this um, all the time. You can have visa in hand that does not guarantee entry when you do arrive in the U.S. So um, fortunately, we have not had any cases so far of students being turned back um, with all their documents and everything set. Uh, so they get to campus, we pick them up from the airport, and then we start a week-long orientation for international students to go over just things about Colgate University. So familiarize themselves, um, familiarize themselves with campus, to give them a tour. The first thing we do is we have them call their family to say, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, aunt, uncle, whoever it is, let them know that they got here safe. Um, then they have the week orientation where we go over the immigration requirements and restrictions of their visa. So what they're expected to do for work authorization, how and when they can be employed, the grades they need to maintain, you know, attendance they need to maintain, um, how to study within the American academic system and all the other things that are, you know, integral to their success at Colgate. So mm. that is a mandatory part of their process uh, before they go into the big orientation officially as, as a first year Colgate student. Mm. What are some of the things that international students have to think about that most domestic students just take for granted? Ooh. <laughs> there's a range. So, you know, and the more, I think the more, the more fun just day to day is of course um, the weather and what you're packing. So I'll use myself as an example. I'm from Jamaica and we have a couple of Jamaican students here. Um, it does not snow where we're from. <laughs> so, you know, if you aren't really planning ahead or doing your research and where you're heading, you can entirely pack the wrong set up clothes or shoes or gadgets and supplies. And with our domestic students, in many cases, they have some option or some opportunity to, to drive a couple of hours home. Um, 
you have a car filled with with things. Generally, international students have to try to to narrow down to two suitcases, maybe three. Um, So whatever is left behind will stay home for a while. Um, Something else that that domestic students don't have to think about quite as much as an international student is I I say the social security numbers. Mm -hmm. So that is one of those things where, you know, when you're born in this country, at some point in time, your parents, you know, get you a social security number and it's it's there when you grow up in real, you know, you just, it's there. You don't have to think about it. International students, um, it's not quite as easy. So in order to to work or get paid in the U.S., international students need a social security number. Um, and it applies, you know, in some cases to folks trying to open bank accounts or, you know, phone plans. It's used for so many things that as an American student or a domestic student, you don't really think about it. You just know you have it and you go with it. International students have to first find employment um, in order to apply for the number and then be granted the number. Um, and so if you're an international student who hasn't found employment yet, you don't have that number. And so you turn around and you try to apply for, for some phone plans, you can't do that because you're missing that integral piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems small. <laughs> I think it seems small when you just know you've had it your entire life, but you know, our office generally offers two between three and four uh, trips to the social security office for international students. Um, so we drive them to the office, make sure they get there, fill out all the paperwork ahead of time, have a letter from us so that they're able to get that. But of course, the first step again is they have to be able to find a job here. Hmm. What kind of resources and services um, does Colgate provide for these international students on campus? I'm curious about what we offer, um, like you were saying, the transportation to Social Security office is one of one of those things. But I guess what are the kinds of things we do to help, you know, um, people make this transition? Uh, So, you know, it starts with orientation, as I mentioned, going through Mm -hmm. all these, you know, these sessions to familiarize themselves, you know, at the get go with with Colgate and help them navigate the the community. Uh, Beyond that, I definitely consider the staff a resource. Um, We help them navigate, as I mentioned before, you know, the employment piece of things. Um, We help them learn what is, what is allowed and what is not. Um, We mentioned transportation, beginning with transportation from the airport. So the second a student steps off that flight, at Syracuse Airport, there is somebody there with a big Colgate sign and a smile welcoming them, you know, to the community. So transportation in those cases, we do provide from orientation to the Social Security Office. Uh, during orientation as well, we take students um, to a shopping trip. So we give them a shopping list. We we <laughs> set them loose in, in a mall and say, okay, these are all the things you need for, for college in, in central New York and in America. And that includes shower slippers. Um, and folks are always confused about what is a shower slipper um, or a shower caddy is another one. Um, so we also have a textbook library and that's a resource for our students in our office at the start and end of each semester, we open up the textbook library uh, for students who cannot find a textbook or cannot afford a textbook in a, a particular topic to come and borrow the textbook for free. So you collect it at the start of the semester, you return it at the end of the semester, and each year students who have purchased textbooks go ahead and donate it to the library. Hmm. Um, general things, so during the semester we do have you know 
programs with that that cover a range of topics. So it could be something as, you know, adjusting in a new place, how to deal with homesickness, how to interview um, as an international student. And so we'll invite, you know, special campus guests from various departments to kind of pare down their presentation to, to be specific to the experience of international students. We also, you know, up until recently had an international student counseling group called Long Distance Life, um, where it was a space for international students and folks who are, who are far away from home to just talk about their adjustment at Colgate and get support through the counseling center. Uh, we also have a counselor from the counseling center um, who spends a couple of hours each week in our office or now on Zoom, <laughs> uh, where, you know, that counselor is there to talk to international students uh, so that they can one, become just, just introduced to, to the counseling center or familiar with the services. Um, we have meals, you know, food is something that I talk about a lot for international students because one of the, the, the ways that, that folks always, you know, link back to their home experience is, is, is food, the food that they grew up eating, the food that their parents um, made for them and the ingredients. And so whenever we can, we try to host events around food. Um, events in general, but food always helps. Uh, and so it might be something as simple as, so my assistant director, Makiko, loves to bake. And she will just show up with the cake, <laughs> you know, into, you know, take it to the office. We also have other students who are really skilled in, in preparing dishes who will will prepare something in their room or come to the office and prepare something to share with other international students. We also have um, an international student, well, a temporary international student kitchen space uh, that students can gather as a community and prepare those meals. Um, so many things, I, you know, I'm trying to remember everything. We also have storage for international students. So students, as I mentioned before, generally will come here with two or three suitcases, but you'd be surprised how much you accumulate after a year or two years or three years. I bet. And so, <laughs> and so you know, students can't always take everything back home with them at the end of each year. And our office, you know, manages a storage operation where we have a couple of spaces on campus. Um, we organize to transport students and their belongings to the storage spaces. They can leave it there for the time they're away from campus and pick it up when they return to campus. So all the things you can't pack in your suitcase, all the things you shouldn't have to pack in your suitcase, we do provide that resource for students as well. Um, and then, you know, in, in a normal year, you know, just trips and, and, and opportunities to venture out into the, the community. So it could be something as simple as apple picking. Um, so going, you know, 20 minutes an hour from here and experiencing that um, cost covered by your office. Uh, and then we're very, very big on this, this alumni connection, because I tell people when an international student leaves here illegally, yes, if they're on OPT, so that's the work authorization after they graduate. Um, if they're, they're still working within the U.S. for at least the first year, they're still ours and a part of her family. But even beyond that, you know, we have a really good group of international alums, recent and not so recent, who want to connect to the community, who want to stay connected. And so in previous years, we've held um, alumni lunches in New York City where we bus international students um, to the city and we have lunch with the alums and, you know, they have an hour or two hours to just sit there and ask questions about 
the experience they had as international students post Colgate and what life is like for them if they choose to stay in the U.S. or even if they choose to to return home after graduation. That's great. Um, I'm curious too, you know, the pandemic has been difficult for all students and uh, I'm sure even more so for those who haven't been able to go home um, on, you know, during the breaks. How has Colgate worked to make the pandemic year a little easier for international students? Oh, what a year. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it's it's so hard to think that we're heading into summer and we were talking about this last summer. Uh, so at the end of, well, we're in March last semester when, you know, Colgate went into lockdown. Um, first and foremost, not everybody could get home. There were uh, travel bans. Some of, some of those are still in place. There were other travel restrictions. And there was just in general, you know, folks being unsure about whether they'd be able to return to campus if they were to leave. So folks who, you know, had visas that were, were expiring, if a consulate or the embassies back home weren't open, they needed to stay. And so the very, very first thing, you know, is that Colgate provided a space for these students to stay. Um, not a lot of questions asked, you know, as long as they were, were identified as international students and said, I have nowhere else to go. We said, okay, we will work with you. We'll help to, to, to provide whatever resources you need. Um, you can stay in campus. And so interestingly enough, March, April, May, and most of the summer, it was an international town because the majority of students were gone, but many, many, many of our international students were still remaining in the village. Um, you know, in another thing that that was affected by that, and it's not just for international students, but folks, you know, people's finances were were negatively impacted by closures, company companies going out of business, you know, layoffs, let goes, uh, and so you know, students who were struggling financially in some cases might have needed, you know, some fees waived for summer housing, or you know, employment secured so that they could make money for themselves, and the university assisted with that as well. Um, we had a number of students who were directly impacted because, you know, the, the start of the pandemic was in like a whole, their hometown or their, their, their home city. And those students, you know, through, through my office, you know, were given two grants. Uh, so, you know, I submitted the application on their behalf um, to an international organization that went and, and gave them, you know, monetary grants to help them survive you know, financially through the time they were here. Outside of that, uh, we worked really closely with some of the local businesses um, over the summer to offer these discount meals at Colgate Inn. So, you know, all students had to do was go in and show their IDs to get a Colgate Inn meal, you know, for $5 on certain oh. days for dinner. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> and students really enjoyed it. Um, and then we, one of the other things the university did as a whole was, you know, we recognize that students, again, because finances weren't impacted and there were a lot of closures and there are some restrictions on where international students can and cannot work and how they can and cannot work. Um, Colgate did work with some of the local organizations that helped to, to, to provide food items, so specifically the food cupboard, um, to offset some of their operational costs or some of the cost of, of acquiring some food items so that in the event for students felt comfortable and wanted to get something from there that they could. Mm. Um, and then outside of that, I think as we, you know, as we realized that the, the, 
the closures and the challenges were going to continue for longer than any of us have had ever dreamed of. Um, we started calling people. So not just my office, but various staff and faculty members of the university uh, made an effort to call at least one or two international students a week. And so the hope was that each student at least had a touch point being their dean myself, um, but somebody else just to say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, that's nice. How is your, you know, so, you know, they have that, that connection with other folks on campus. Um, alumni office stepped in. Uh, we gave students like a, a gift, like a trinket, a, a mug with some coupons and things at the end of the winter break to, again, just acknowledge that we know you're here. We know that you haven't been able to go home in a while. We're sorry this is happening. But at the end of the day, we will absolutely always be here for you as your, your Colgate family. So many, many ways that I can think of. We made sure. some adjustments with or or study abroad um, programs. So in working with the off-campus study office, we were able to find some programs in certain countries that students who weren't able to make it back could study at home and then still get Colgate credits. So it's been a busy, it's been a very busy year of trying to find ways to 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 think creatively around how we can support our students, those who, who were able to make it in the country, those who stayed in the country and those who stayed in their home countries. I'm curious, did we have we run into any issues where a student graduates and their home country is not allowing people to return? Is that something that's happened as well? Yes. Um and you know I will say Actually, every year, every May, we do have a number a number of seniors who are allowed or recent grads who we do permit to stay on campus. Um, it's out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's it really is as simple as a conversation with me. We go through our processes to see who can stay and who, who needs to leave. And they are allowed to remain um, in residence for a predetermined period of time. And so it really is a conversation. And then I will go in and say, well, now you're a grown up. Now you are a Colgate grad. And these are my rules if you're going to stay. (laughs) So so they get rules. Um, And, uh, you know, there are some restrictions because, you know, we could go into a whole discussion about how the work authorization system works. But um, if students, you know, aren't or didn't apply for work authorization or aren't waiting to go to a, a graduate school or, or a new F1 program, um, there is a, pre-de- a date predetermined by the government that they have to depart. So for those students, then I'll remind them maybe a week before that date to say, hey, as a reminder, this is your cutoff date for, for housing. And then for those who just have a general need, because again, it happens. Yes, we do work to support those, those recent grads or students. How did you get involved in this work, Kira? Ooh. <laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah. Um so I think as you mentioned, you know, at the outset, I I am a res lifer. I, you know, was RA at Rutgers, uh, AAD at Rutgers, RD at Salisbury. Um, and I came to Rutgers at, or came to Colgate as a an assistant director in residential life. And I did that for a couple of years. Uh, the director at the time, wonderful director, um, left. And so, you know, there was a gap that needed to be filled. And I was asked if I could take over as a director. Uh, so I did that for a couple of years. And interestingly enough, maybe my second or third year, I believe, as director, the person who was in my role previously left Colgate 
And as somebody who is international myself, um, as somebody who recognized some of the challenges that the population faced, and uh, you know, someone someone with the understanding that advocacy of international students is a very very important thing. When the position opened up, I did not apply because naturally, <laughs> so it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, and so I recall that you know the the search happened and. You know, they, they didn't find a successful candidate. And so they were continuing the search. Uh, and I was in a conversation with the, with the vice president and dean of the college at the time. And, uh, you know, I said, well, I mean, I would look at it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she said, wait, what? Uh, I said, sure, why not? Um, and so, you know, that is actually how I, I, I came into this position. It was definitely a need for the university. It was definitely a need for the university at the time. And I was somebody who was willing, interested, and passionate about, you know, how international students were, were faring at Colgate. I think my background as somebody who came into, you know, this new country and struggled with homesickness and making connections and finding things out, you know, at the offset, I wanted to make sure as best as I could that I was able to, to help our students navigate Colgate as a space and uh, help them to avoid some of the mistakes I made when I first came here. Um, it's it's hard for international students in, in many ways. Um, and there's so many restrictions in place. Um, it does take a toll on, on folks, you know, in more ways than one. And, you know, having gone through that, I've just always been very passionate about helping students mm -hmm. and helping folks navigate immigration as a whole and all of it. So that is, that is why I did it. That is how I did it. And, you know, I came into the space or came into the position and the students, of course, were just so welcoming and excited. Uh, I think part of the benefit was that they were already familiar with me from my director of residential life role. Mm. Um, and interestingly enough, in that role, I had also hired a lot of international students. So I'm now moving from your boss to your dean in a, you know, in a different way. And so, yeah, that's how I got into it. And that's it, it very was cool. a lot to learn, hit the ground running and <laughs> here I am. Nice. I want to touch uh, on just a couple of other things that you're involved in. I mean, I listed off the, uh, the many committees that you're involved in, and I know it's probably longer list than what I shared. Um, you are currently the co-chair of the Staff Affirmative Action Committee, and I was wondering if you might be able to talk a little bit about that work and why it's so important for Colgate's diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. That's a great question, Dan. Um, so yes, I am you know, the chair of the, the Staff Affirmative Action Oversight Committee, uh, which is a, a committee that shares responsibility with the Faculty Affirmative Action Oversight Committee for supporting and overseeing the production of the university's annual affirmative action plan, right? Hmm. So the committee also monitors progress towards affirmative action goals related to the hiring and retention of non-academic administrators and professionals. And so your question about how it ties to you know, the DEI plan and, and, you know, how this work is important or tied into this committee um, is a very important one because, you know, as the Affirmative Action Oversight Committee, we talk a lot about underutilization within or, or staff structure. And essentially it is, to simplify the language, I, I won't use it, the official language, but, you know, you can, you can think of it in terms of 
where can Colgate fill in the gaps for for their hiring, recruitment, and retention of underrepresented populations. So folks who fall into the categories that are covered by affirmative action. Um, and so within this committee, you know, over the past couple of years, we've really, really worked extensively on, on our hiring part of the process. So it's it's a big, extensive process, and I like to, to call it the life cycle of a Colgate staff member from hiring to hopefully retiring. So the hope is that you get here and you stay forever in this wonderful place. Uh, and within the plan, a lot of conversation came up about staff recruitment and staff retention. And so the work that we're doing within the committee, especially when we review the plan and think of action items and goals for the university um, is around how one, we sell Colgate to, to other places or, or to people, how we we talk about the university, how we attract folks to the university, what parts of our mission or the experience they're gonna have here is attractive to folks. Um, then once they get here, if they're from certain identities, and I, I, will, I will narrow in and say, you know, black and indigenous people of color, um, what their experience is like, how, how and if they feel a sense of community, how and if they transition from, again, hiring to retiring. Uh, and so with all those topics brought up within the, within the DEI report or the DEI plan, you know, we really do focus on what is a staff experience, where are the, the holes or the, the shortcomings, and how we can improve. So, you know, this committee was around or has been around since uh, since around 1989, I believe. Um, and a lot has changed there in terms of laws and, you know, the identities of folks on campus um, and within this country. But it is important that in order for us to get to where we want to be as an inclusive environment and to have a diverse staff and to have a staff that students can see themselves in, um, and to have staff in general feel as if they, their voices are represented, uh, that we continue the work. And so that's a part of the, com the commitment of the committee, and that's how it ties in the DEI plan. Um, there's a lot more, you know, we can talk about, you know, engaging, a conversation, engaging in conversations around staff professional development. I talked about recruitment, you know, we want to talk about promotion. So the environment that folks experience or the way folks ex experience the environment at Colgate really tends to lead to whether or not they stay or they go. And so our goal, you know, with consideration with the plan or in consideration with the plan is to make sure that folks are staying. And, mm. you know, we were fortunate enough too as a committee to be able to sit down um, in one of those those DEI planning groups when we were, were building out the plan to give our feedback based on what or staff folks were experienced and the things that we had heard from staff as a committee. And I guess on the same kind of train of thought here, um, Colgate's now in the midst of a search for a new chief diversity officer. And my boss, uh, Vice President for Communications, Laura Jack, is currently filling that role as on an interim basis. And I understand, you know, you're a member of the search committee. And I was wondering, what is Colgate looking for in a new CDO? And how can that person help move Colgate forward? I think our position description mostly says it, you know, it says it in a beautiful way, actually, is that it's somebody who is a committed partner in this work. And 
it's, I believe it's pretty telling that this will be a, a cabinet level position, somebody who, you know, meets with all the heads of this university um, on a regular basis, uh, because that shows that one, Colgate is committed and that this is a very, very important work, or this is very important work. And the person is a partner. It's, it's a partner, it's a, a change agent, or the person will be a change agent, um, someone who is able to engage with their cabinet level peers, faculty, staff, and students. So in terms of how you know this person can help to move to, to move the DEI plan forward, um, one, first and foremost, it's it's commitment and and passion and true interest in the work and the efforts of the university. Um, relationships are important, and I know I just touched on that. Uh, so, it, you know, it, it will be somebody who is able to engage with all the constituents on campus to, to help us all understand the importance of the work. Um, you know, we might be coming with an understanding from various levels or at various degrees. So someone who is able to create those partnerships and who is who is able to work with a lot of the pre-established committees, you know, bringing some new folks along, you know, reviewing policies, processes, structures, protocol, and, and the whole nine. So it's a big and important position for sure. Um, and yeah, as a committee member, and I'm sure as anybody in the university uh, is right now, we are excited and hopeful to see how it wraps up. Awesome. And you've made it to question 13. Uh, here we go. This is the final question. All right. So um, I've been told uh, that you started your own children's clothing line or something. Can you tell me about this? Is this true? It is, is it? true. Oh. <laughs> I thought that was a secret. Uh, yes. So I, so I did chart, start my own children's clothing line. Uh, and so it is called Queen Irie. Um, Irie is a Jamaican word that means good um, or, or great. And so it's a play of that, that <laughs> the, the, the queen good, queen of good, you can call it that. Um, so a, a friend of mine from, from Ivory Coast, uh, years ago, we had this, this grand plan to start a bridal boutique <laughs> and that didn't quite pan out. Uh, and so we, we pivoted to, to say, how about we do children's clothing made from authentic African fabrics? And so, you know, I'm Jamaican, as I mentioned, and my business partner is, is <laughs> African and we, essentially create all or pieces from authentic wax fabrics sourced from working mothers in Africa. Oh, wow. uh, and so, you know, a part of our commitment as a business is to support and give back to working mothers in various, you know, immigrant communities. Um, if we, or if, and when we have folks helping us in the U S we will focus, you know, or work on, on helping immigrants in this country. Um, and as I mentioned, we do source all our fabrics from from working mothers in in Africa generally. And so, interestingly enough, when I first started Queen Irie, I signed up for Colgate's Thought Into Action uh, program. I didn't know that. So either. yes, oh, cool. I went to TIA uh, at the first level. So attended all the meetings, went through the whole thing side by side with students and a few other staff and community members. Um, and that was just an important part, I think, of my, my business journey or my journey as a business creator, really tapping into the resources and the knowledge of the staff and folks in TIA and making just some great connections with students in a different way. So yep, Queen Irie Designs, we source 
authentic fabrics from, from Africa. And we create vibrant island-inspired children's clothing. Love it. I will check it out. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining the show today, Dean Hunter. It was great to have you. Um, for folks listening, if you have any questions uh, about international students at Colgate or how the process works uh, for international applicants, things like that, feel free to shoot me a note. Uh, it's 13 at colgate.edu, and that's 13 the number. And I'll be happy to follow up with Dean Hunter if there's any questions I can't answer there. Uh, thank you for listening. And as always, keep asking questions. is a production of the Colgate University Office of Communications. Audio engineering by Brian Ness. Logo art by Catrail Pritz. Executive producer, Laura Jack. And I'm your host and producer, Dan DeVries. Visit colgatemagazine.com and colgateresearchmagazine.com for more in-depth faculty research stories.